Hello, everyone. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and this is a brand new episode of Hi, Jinx. And I'm so excited because today's guest is a, a hero to me because she's not only the host of a very polite little show about flowers, but she's also a vampire. Her name's Natasha Dimitrio. We talk about collaborating with family members, being famous in different countries, and the comparisons and contrasts between drag queens and other forms of bloodsuckers. That's today on Hijinks with Natasha Dimitrio. Forever! everyone, I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today we are joined by actress, comedian, and screenwriter, Natasha Dimitrio. Hi, Natasha. Hi, Jinx. Perfect. You got the part. You got the part. Yes. Have you spoken to my people? <laughs> I am so terribly excited about this interview. Um, like I do most times, I become obsessed with something. Um, I, I then stalk the people um, I become obsessed with on Instagram and you know, with a with a small amount of celebrity status myself, I oftentimes write a hello message. And if I'm lucky, they write back. And um, this was how our friendship began. And since then, we we've begun texting each other periodically. Um, and the, our, our conversations go blue very quickly. And it's one of my favorite things about you is you have a very raunchy sense of humor. Um <laughs> So actually, how I how I um, proposed you doing this interview, I texted you and said we had um, we had a slot to fill, and when I think of filling a slot, you're the first person who comes to mind. So I'm so excited to have you on our podcast today, Natasha Dimitrio. How are you? Am, you're in Toronto. <laughs> I am, and I am a slot. I'm 100 slot. That is how I would describe my personality. I am something to be filled. I'm a best, I'm a hole to be penetrated. Um, yeah, I'm in Toronto filming um, what we do in the shadows series three. We're nearly finished filming, so I'm very very excited to return to my homeland, the big smoking United States of Kingdom, and um, and I'm very yeah I'm very excited to go home and see my friends. And also the UK has opened up from what I can what my friends tell me in the photos they keep sending me of them out doing normal <laughs> things which is so nice so yeah I'm very excited I'm very excited I've got a dog who I haven't seen in since since because we me and my flatmate got a covid puppy very very <laughs> cliched and I'm really excited to have his his penis and his warm tummy <laughs> lying on my naked chest it feels there's nothing like it if you really are a sad single gal that skin to skin contact is yeah. important. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not yeah. like I haven't dated a bunch of dogs, am I right? 
Um, since you brought it up, let's jump right into what we do in Shadows. Now, for people listening, um, what we do in Shadows was first a film, um, a mockumentary style film following the lives of um, some some real life vampires and 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 their daily antics. Um, the TV show is very much the same premise. It's a mockumentary of some. Um, um, inept vampires living their lives. Uh, but I personally, um, personally connect with the, the, the series more than the film, probably because there is a strong female lead. And that's mm-hmm. where you come in. You play Nadia, um, a Romani vampire um, who is just my favorite thing about the show. Aww. And um, spoiler, you also play um, the ghost of Nadja living in a doll. Uh, uh-huh. You'll have to watch the show to understand that, but it means we get twice as much Natasha. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm doubling down on myself, guys. <laughs> COVID's been rough. We've all got to <laughs> double down on ourselves. Uh, so... What's it like playing a vampire? What are you what are your thoughts and feelings towards vampires in general? <laughs> I think I didn't have many thoughts. Truly, I wasn't like a sort of, you know, vampire fanatic and <laughs> I I just really liked Twilight and how I found the Twilight series how serious and brooding it was, like and how vampires seem to not have a sense of humor and are just really like you know, like they're never cracking jokes. They're always just being like I love you so much. We're alive forever, <laughs> you know, like super brooding. And I really, I, the teenage, the really sad teenage, you know, horny girl in me really connected to the Twilight series. <laughs> but beyond that, I remember seeing the film, what we do in the shadows, like the trailer of it. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? That's such a good idea for a show. Like that's such a good idea for a film because at the time there was all that like, vampire true blood and all those shows seem to be like really big so I was like oh well they've had the best idea for a film and then yeah and then I got the audition so no it's been it's been so fun like I think what I love about it the most is that you can kind of get away with anything and I feel like (laughs) in a kind of sensitive time for comedy and you know people being more sensitive and it just feels like the world's gone a bit mad and a bit you know, there's no one, like, things just seem a bit like up in the air because of COVID, because of everything, because of social media. And it's really nice with vampires because you can just be like, well, they're they're undead myths, mythical creatures. We can say that. We can do that. Yeah. We don't have to worry about being, you know, offensive. We, we're vampires. I mean, it, there is some liberation in playing a character that's like 300 years old. Um. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. The costumes, like all that. I never thought of and then the fact that it's a comedy it is like I don't want to be too like I'm the luckiest girl in the world but it is a dream to be able to it is like oh my you know it's like because anything goes really anything yeah. goes because it's it's, it's it, myth, mystical ma- magical it seems like a dream it's really it's I I love watching it I love your character most of all um not only because she's a strong female lead, but she's very, 
she's simultaneously no nonsense with the other vampires. You know, she kind of runs the show with the other vampires. They would say she was one of the more dominant personalities. Um, and then at the same time, just as ridiculous as anyone else. Um, Which is great because I think that with with a lot of parts in comedies and it's definitely changed and is still changing but a lot of the times I think there's that impetus to be like we want a really strong female lead in this comedy so we're going to make her super smart and super like she knows she can call everyone on their bullshit but in a comedy that just translates to oh the boring know-it-all that ruins the fun (laughs) and like there's a bunch of dudes being like whoa stoners whoa and then a girl comes and like guys you put the wrong socks in the machine and it and it's not fun it's not funny it's like shut up you're boring so the it's very great and lovely that she is as they you know she is as as stupid and as flawed as everyone else in the show which is I think really so fun to play and also I'm absolutely obsessed with like most very very basic girls like me obsessed with RuPaul's Drag Race which is why when you messaged me I lost my mind (laughs) um and I do I do feel like she's I feel like a drag I feel like I'm in drag as close to drag as I can be in drag because Um, it's yeah it's this like fantasy I think your character is absolutely a drag persona and that leads me to my next topic is that you also hosted um the big flower fight on Netflix and I was watching these two things simultaneously I was binging these two things like at the beginning of the pandemic um and I can't I think I had to look you up before I realized that these two people were the same person <laughs> oh yeah 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 the hair changes we we change the hair you fully transform when you play Nadia and um and I, I I think it's a testament to your your skill as a comedic actor um what is it that uh draws you to comedy more than like um drama or or straight uh, I know it's called straight theater when it's a play. What's it called when it's t- drama television? Uh, boring. <laughs> boring. <laughs> uh, waste of time. No, no, not at all. No, I think what I think, well, obviously, you know, one does have to look at oneself and I'm sure you've had to do the same when you decide to pursue a career in like performing of any kind. And it's, there are, there's a lot of rejection and a lot of embarrassing things happen yeah. and a lot of <laughs> performing to the backs of people's heads because they would rather look at a wall than look at you on stage. <laughs> um, um, you know, like you do have to question and go deep and be like, why am I doing this? Okay, I'm, am I a narcissist? Have I got some sort of personality disorder? Why am I putting myself through this? And ultimately, I think when I did that to myself, when, you know, like, all my friends seemed to be getting work. I was still uh, very much a, a nanny who said that she did comedy as opposed <laughs> to a comedian who like played with her friend's kids. Um, <laughs> I was like, it's because I really think that, you know, life is really, can be really shitty sometimes and hard. And when I can make someone laugh or they make me laugh or I watch something and I'm like, oh my God, that's so funny that's the thing that makes me feel this is so sincere and cheesy but makes me feel less alone 
you know you're like oh I'm like they get it they get the thing that I see and I think in a very corny way of putting it like that's maybe what we're all kind of looking for you know is just like like people to to get to get us and to get with and have have shared experiences and so I think there's nothing more that does that for me than 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 laughter (laughs) I think that's I think that's really touching on something because you know we know we're talking about television right now, um, but you also have experience in in live entertainment. Um, I find that the reason why I gravitate towards comedy in live entertainment is because comedy, you get the instant gratification of laughter. You know when a joke lands or bombs. Um, in drama, you know, typically the audience is watching a little bit more silently. And unless you get an audible gasp, you don't have any like affirmation that what you did landed. Comedy, it's very, um, it's very easy to tell when you're hitting the right marks. And it's also very easy to feel when you don't got them. You know? Yeah. <laughs> when, when you've lost them. Yeah. And it's amazing. And I, like I started out doing live shows, like live, doing the Edinburgh Festival, doing years. I did it for like seven years. And it is, yeah. you know, so often just like, what am I doing? I'm a psychopath <laughs> to be wanting to do this. But like, that's why I've connected so much with you. Like, because it was your sense of humor on Drag Race, particularly that I was like, I just was like oh so funny like the you know your talking heads and 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 you know I think I think that's why a lot of why drag queens and you know this there's been this huge phenomenon because there is so much humor in it because you have to laugh at it right it's such a funny spectacle oh yeah because even when they're when they're telling their most you know intimate moments and when they're sharing their sob stories typically it's in the middle of the makeup process and I was talking about on season 13 there's all these moments where they're sharing these really intense conversations but they're painted orange from the eyelids (laughs) down (laughs) because they're covering up their beards at the same time I'm like that's what's brilliant about drag and I think what you're talking about a little bit is like finding people through comedy I think that before you know social media is its own monster but before social media giving um giving so many different platforms in so many different ways for people to share their specific work and find their audience you know it used to be that like tv was very regulated and you know it all followed a formula and it was all to please the broadest audience and now thanks to youtube and instagram and tiktok and all this other stuff people can branch out and try different forms of comedy and find their niche audience and then then what we see is that like things that possibly probably wouldn't have aired on television 30 years ago is now a hit comedy show on FX. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I absolutely love it. You're um, an angel. No, I do. I think, I think social media is, um, is so such a benevolent force in so many ways. And then has also is something that humanity has never had to deal with before, or yeah. no one has ever had this much connection or access to information. So Obviously, we are just finding our feet with it, I think. Like, I think in like 200 years time, they'll be like, what were they doing? (laughs) Limit the memes. (laughs) (laughs) You talked about the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Um, 
I have yet to ever participate or attend the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. I was about to bring a show. No, I was about to bring a show this year, um, but uh, COVID uh, squashed that plan. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, it is it is renowned in um, the UK and in Europe um, as one of the places to discover new talent and to see, like, you know, to to get a first glimpse at the future of entertainment and performance art, um, you collaborate a lot with your your brother. Um, did you and your brother collaborate on the Edinburgh Fringe Festival shows that we're we're talking about? So <laughs> we did. We kind of did. Like he, so he's younger than me, but although everyone always thinks he's older. Sorry. <laughs> um, so Jamie, Jamie, when Jamie like called me when he was at uni and was like, did you know about the Edinburgh Fringe Festival? And I was like, no, of course I didn't. I went, I did, I did a performing like arts degree uh, in a hole, essentially. That's how useful it was. And, um, and he was like, you gotta, we, I'm going this year. I'm taking a sketch group because they're like student reviews at the Edinburgh Festival are super, it's like a big deal. Have you heard of like the Cambridge Review, like the Cambridge Footlights? No. Oh, well, that's where, like, Emma Thompson, Hugh Grant, all the, like, okay. posh shows, Hugh Laurie, they all okay. they all started at the, at the Footlight and, in, in, like, the sort of student touring sort of sketch show. Stephen Fry <laughs> all sort of, like, they, they, you know, anyway, blah, blah, blah. So that's, so that's how sort of Edinburgh started. And so Jamie was with the Bristol Comedy Review sketch show mm -hmm. and he went and did it. And then we went, I went and watched him with me and my weird friends from university. And we sort of like sat there like older, just being like, oh, we want to do this. <laughs> so then the next year we went up and sort of worked. Jamie like helped sort of direct my show and we would watch their show. And, and then we just did live shows together all the time for like, over a period of about five years, we were all just doing like, there was a place in the in London called The Invisible Dot. Anyway, so boring. Why am I telling you this? It no. was just, we did lots of live shows. And yes, me and Jamie uh, were very involved in each other's live work. He was in my show one year, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to have I, a limoncello LaCroix, if that's okay. <laughs> that's my favorite kind of LaCroix. It's so it's... good. I just discovered it. Oh, limoncello is the LaCroix flavor. If I if I still drank, that and vodka would be my go-to every day. <laughs> I just didn't want to crack open a thing and it sounds like geez, she's just like cracking open a beer halfway through, just like... <laughs> well, your collaboration with your brother seems to have been successful, seeing as um, you have won three BAFTA awards for a sketch comedy show, um, Staff Let's Flats on Channel 4 in the UK. Am yes, I saying so that correctly? You are. Stathlet's Flats is it's actually my brother's show, but even though I'd love to take credit for it, but I'm in <laughs> it. I play his sister and it's kind of lightly based on our family. <laughs> yeah, can you believe? <laughs> um, so yeah, Stathlet's Flats, yeah, that's that was a show that, yeah, it's on Channel 4 and we're, we're, we're going to film Series 3 when I get back from Canada. But, um, oh, just going from gig to gig. Yeah, got to go from gig, gig to gig. Just as long <laughs> as I got my guitar and my mic, I'll be fine. So as an American, as a Yankee um, who has a, um, a, a, a peripheral knowledge of UK entertainment, you know I married a Brit, and um, I... 
when I'm in the UK, I'd like to say that I watch a lot of UK television, but I actually just watch Big Bang Theory or Family Guy because I get homesick and I need to watch whatever American television show they're showing. Yeah, classic The Simpsons. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> the four-hour block of Big Bang Theory. I never watch Big Bang Theory unless I'm in the UK. And I often make a joke about how the UK, you guys get um, TV, you get American TV runoff. Like, um, UK channels will air TV shows we've never heard about in America. Like, this show called Baby Daddy. I've never once seen it. Um <laughs> I've never so, once yeah, seen it air so in America, true, but it airs constantly in the UK. Yeah, um, Melissa so and true. Joey is another <laughs> prime example of that. <laughs> yeah, we we well, we are so we we love. I, I honestly feel like the UK lives to appropriate American everything. <laughs> like we will take whatever you guys are selling, giving out bad, good, anything, any problems, any. We are like, we feel it so much as like the <laughs> pathetic Brits who are like, you know, it's just so funny to me how invested we are and how enamored we are and how wet we are for American <laughs> culture. We are so open and wide legged and wet for anything America's <laughs> giving us. Well, what I love when I do watch um, UK television is it seems like the UK comedians, TV comics and comedian actors, it seems very much like a like a supportive collective. You all seem to be friends with each other. It's like all the actors from IT crowd and all the actors from like, um, you know, um, Mitchell and Webb and and Mighty Boosh and, you know, all the actors kind of stew together because you're always doing those quiz shows together oh yeah panel shows yeah fucking hell the death of comedy (laughs) would you say you're close with a lot of the other big names in uk comedy i would say it was it was wild how quickly you meet all your heroes because it is a tiny island and then on top of that london is like you know a little stunning echo chamber of you know (laughs) creatives and whoever like lots of other people but you know like it's tight I think it's I think it's just the industry you know it's like if you work in the if you are weird enough to commit your life to working <laughs> in this industry then you kind of migrate or there'll be something there'll be some radio show you get asked to do some charity gig and you very quickly so it's like and it, that's how it the thing is like that I definitely think that's how it used to be more in the UK where you'd have like these groups of people who they'd all do Edinburgh and then a few of them would win the main awards, the comedy award, the Perrier or whatever it is now, the Olaplex, I don't know, whatever is like the sort of sponsored award at Edinburgh now, but um, whoever is coming up and then they get a TV show, there'll be a sketch show and then that person will go off and make their own kind of like, you know, like there was a show called the 11 o'clock show that had Sasha Baron Cohen, Ricky Gervais, and they were all, and you know, Steve Coogan, and they were all doing little bits. And then obviously The Office, Ali G, yeah. Alan Partridge, you know, that's that's definitely how it used to be. And that's kind of how me and my friends were. But we we came up at a time where um, sketch show and sitcoms were dead and stand up <laughs> and panel shows were like the TV people yeah. had realized it's so cheap. You just build one it's studio so and wheel just- it out. The 25 Just roll a bunch of people on stage, give them half a topic. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, stand up. You don't even need to pay for wigs. You just give them a mic. <laughs> and that's it. I, so cheap. 
I think everything you said, um, I can I can back up in my own experiences. You know, um, when I first started going over to the UK, my I had one goal in mind, and that was to meet Noel Fielding. And I thought this is completely reasonable. You know, I I think celebrities, the the treatment and the fanfare around celebrities in the UK is very different from the states, where yeah, a person totally. can walk down the street in London and not necessarily get bombarded and ask for photos. You know, you can. You can tell when a person is not like out and about to be seen when they're just trying to live their lives. And in the UK, it seems that people are generally respectful of that. I mean, I walk around being like, does anybody recognize me? And no one cares. I walk around with my tits out and with a pen saying free autographs and no one gives a shit. So, yeah, you're completely that's. That's very right. Also, people in like, you know, it's very British to be like, well, I, I, I don't care. I didn't bother. That doesn't bother me. They're famous. You know, I'm not going to say yeah. anything. Like, <laughs> fuck them. You know, stupid, you know. I Yeah, so, I, I live. And also, like, I do think there it's probably like West Hollywood or East LA now where everyone seems to live. There are pockets of London where you you can go and you're like, that's where all the actors live because it's really nice. There's lots of bakeries <laughs> and nice green dog parks and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I um I I was when I did finally meet Noel Fielding. It was after oh I you seen did him, meet him. I did. Uh, that's the exciting conclusion of the story. Is I see him walking by two different times, but I was sat down eating both times, um, and so I wasn't gonna like leave my lunch and chase after him down the street. So then I'm texting a friend at um. What what was it the 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 Groucho Club is that, is that oh yeah the Groucho name? yes that's so yeah. Matt who's in this show he's 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 a fan of the Groucho Club oh yeah it's one of and those I, you have to have a membership to get oh, in don't, and so don't. on the night that I went with um my, here's my name dropping on the night that I went with Laura Carmichael um, from Downton Abbey um she, I was her guest at the at the Groucho and Uzo Aduba was there. Chris Hemsworth was there, but all I wanted was to meet Noel Fielding. So I'm sitting out in the smoking section texting someone like, I just want to meet Noel Fielding and every (laughs) other celebrity is here tonight except for him. And as I'm pressing send on this text message, someone taps me on the shoulder and asks for a lighter. And I turn around and it's Noel Fielding. No, <laughs> that's such a good story. Yeah, it was pretty great. And then, you know, not not long after that, I got connected with his brother, Mike, who's a big Drag Race fan. And then they started coming to my shows. And then a month later, I was like at their parents' anniversary party. <laughs> That's incredible. And that's that's what's really unique about the UK is that I feel like in the UK, there's not as much of an air, not as much of like a, a mind fuck around being a celebrity, you know, quote unquote. Right. And, yeah. and people just kind of get along like people, even though, you know, we met in a private club where you can only get into it if you have membership but at the same time once you're inside everyone just acts like people. oh yeah and also like you know if 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 you met someone on the street that you had a light and then you started talking be like come in come into the members come in a great show get you a drink so no oh that's nice to hear that you think that that's lovely I mean yeah a lot I it's always nice when the the people who work on this show even though it's Canadian but so much stuff is filmed here they'll quite often be like, you guys are chill. And I'm like, oh, that's like the nicest <laughs> compliment British. I can get. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, no, I'm just, um, I'm on a lot of drugs. No, 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 <laughs> not, not at all. No, no, it's, it's, that makes me happy. And that makes me happy. That's so nice to hear. Cause I do, yeah. there are also just to say in defense of um, America, there are also a lot of assholes in the UK, a lot of yeah. their own ass assholes <laughs> who, who love the smell of their own farts a bit too much. Yeah. And you know, I well, love the I smell think... of my own farts, but. <laughs> That's a universal thing when you get into um, people with public careers. Yes, but um, totally. have you noticed any shift um, with um, what we do in shadows being, you know, on FX and probably garnering you more of an American audience? And um, the big flower fight was on Netflix. Um, have you noticed any shift in your fan base or the attitude towards you as you become more well known in the States? I, yeah. Um, well, annoying. So basically, I didn't work. Like I had no work. I was such a like, oh god. I I literally <laughs> gave. I think I wrote my all my closest friends a text message and was like, I just I need to say this. I'm not. I'm going to stop trying. I can't do it anymore. It's too depressing. I might go a bit quiet for a few months, but I'm going to work at London Zoo. I'm going to be a zookeeper. <laughs> I'm just going to do my other dream. I'm going to be a zookeeper. And then um, I got the audition for this and got it and it was like it really it sounds so cheesy and corny but it like was life-changing it was like I I think we do this thing with ourselves where we tell ourselves like I am Natasha and I am the one who, in my friends who is like never gets work you know just like <laughs> is always the one who's like can say yes to a live gig because I don't have a day job <laughs> Like, I, I'm never filming. I've got, you know, like, I'm just a, a big loser who chooses, who has bad personal relationship, has a bad love life and <laughs> is constipated 24-7. That's me. That's who I am. And that's who I'll be forever. <laughs> so then when something happens that completely changes that, you're like, oh, my God, life. It's so unpredictable. Like, nothing's permanent. It's, yeah. it's like you can, things can change. Um, so you can I... be constipated, but employed, you know. <laughs> I can totally relate to that because I feel like my humor, um, my humor has always been self-deprecating. Most of my characters, I mean, Jinx Monsoon being, you know, the base of my character tree. Um, and Jinx Monsoon's whole story is that she's, you know, an aspiring actress who's never going to make it. You know, <laughs> she's a she's a. Uh, a has-been who never was. And um, when we get really into it, I always say the Jinx Monsoon is um, an AFAB woman posing as a drag queen because she couldn't get work anywhere else. And in drag, she is considered very talented um, because <laughs> she's just the runoff from Broadway. So that's always been my story. So then when I experience success, I'm like, what is this? I can't be successful. That kills my comedy. So I have to continuously put myself down, even as I'm in an audience of, in front of an audience of 2000 or whatever, wherever I am, I'm still putting myself down. Like I'm a dive bar drag queen (laughs) working for nickels. Well, that people do say, don't they? That like, you know, your best stuff is always the first stuff you, you know, like this is the difficult second album, whatever, because with comedy, I think a lot of it, comes from pain and failure and you can't sell that as much when you're like I've got really nice nails at the moment and (laughs) I've got really nice skincare in my bag and like I've got I'm getting an uber home and I don't even care you know like (laughs) you are like okay that changes things a little bit you have to dig 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 other areas my favorite teacher at um theater school 
um, said, I don't know how, but we were talking about our childhoods and, uh, you know, uh, at the drop of a hat, I'll bring up my traumatic childhood. And she said to the rest of the class, you know why Jarek is a lot funnier than most of you? Is <laughs> because Jarek grew up with alcoholic parents. If you want to be good in comedy, start by having alcoholic parents and... That has always been something I've held with me as a as a badge of honor. You know? well, no, that is amazing. But yeah, I do think like that that goes back to the whole comedy thing. You know, like when you have such adversity as you faced as a child, like love, like what do you do? What do you do? Do you think or do you just go fuck me? This is insane. I'm just going to be hysterical and laugh at this and then cry and then laugh again. Yeah, you know, like- I mean. It's the it's the Hedwig uh, the Hedwig line. Um, I laugh because I'll cry if I don't. And um, <laughs> I think my my biggest anxiety is finally um, I've finally gotten past it because I base so much of my comedy off of a tumultuous childhood, and so much of my comedy revolves around cheap impressions of my mother. And only <laughs> recently has my mom started to see some of the material that I've written based off of her and she's able to laugh at it and that was my biggest anxiety is that like will my mom ever find this funny or because she used to tell me in the car in our car rides uh, from school which is where my mom and I had all our intimate conversations I brought up the movie mommy dearest and she all but stopped the car in the middle of the street and said if you ever ever write a book about me I will never forgive you <laughs> so I never wrote the book but I sure do a lot of um, material based on her <laughs> that's amazing Since we're talking about family, um, is it difficult working with a sibling? Is it difficult working with your brother? It's do you it's do you, is it fun or do you? I know that when it comes to siblings, whether they're your chosen siblings, because um, I have a few friends who are like siblings to me, yeah. um, and then I have my blood siblings, and no one else in the world gets that the side of me that siblings get you know they get probably the they get to see the darkest parts of me because the love is unconditional you know you're not going to get rid of me anytime soon yeah so I don't really watch my mouth around my siblings and we Uh are bluntly honest with each other um does that um foster (laughs) a good creative environment or does it um cause problems (laughs) luckily and I don't it sounds too like sweet but but like my oh for sure for sure me and my brother like my brother has seen like has seen me at seen me at my worst and seen you know like he is the person I was like he is the person that no the only other person in the world that knows what it's like to live the way we've lived and that's oh, not yeah. like we've been you know been trekking through through like Africa to try and find <laughs> her, like to find shelter for years or anything like that it's just we have we had a very unconventional upbringing and my our sense of humor we like that was me and him watching the muppets and stuff so like yeah. he get i just like love him and i'm so happy he's a boy because <laughs> i do think that elim- that i do think that it could have been very different oh yeah if he'd been a a girl and we'd been 
in this industry going up against each other and going for the same parts or whatever, or, or, you know, fighting for script commissions or whatever, that could have been a very dark and you would be talking to me and I'd be in prison. (laughs) But (laughs) this would be like behind bars. Hi, Jinx, behind bars. Um, So, yeah, no, luckily I love him. And we are also, because of, I've thought about this recently, actually, because of our childhood and I think just because of our personalities and who we are, we are very, very, very good at compartmentalising. Yeah. Um, which has been levelled at me as an insult by some ex-partners. <laughs> but I just think it means I'm I'm clever to be able yeah. to shut off my emotions. So I do think we are very good at putting all the sort of personal whatever, what's happening with my parents, anything like that, that goes away. And it's just, you know, we can be like professional and, and that doesn't come into the, the creative workspace. Yeah. Do you have other siblings besides Jamie? I have two half sisters who don't speak to us because they're my, <laughs> they are my dad's daughters from his first marriage. Yeah. Um, and my older brother, who was my dad's first, first lot of sperms, mm-hmm. um, he <laughs> died from an overdose. He was a, a drug addict, mm-hmm. but I was a baby. So like, it's mm-hmm. not something that you know, I can claim really, truly yeah. like hurt me. What it's just, you know, sad. So, so sad for my dad and so, so sad for them. But that led to a like kind of breakdown in their relationship. Yeah. And also they're all Greek and Cypriot. And so who fucking knows the yeah. drama, these people, they have like an extra set of genes or cells <laughs> in their head. That's like drama. Just for drama. Yeah, it's yeah. just like, <laughs> we cannot talk to you. I can't speak to you for the rest of your life. You know, like it's just, it's it's so different to, it's such, so that culture is just like, it's like a layer of olive oil in their skin. That (laughs) that causes the extra drama. Yeah. Um, I don't know why this just popped into my head. Um, I'll take us on a small tangent for a second, but have you ever seen the episode? I don't know if you've ever seen the show Frasier. But there is an episode of Frasier <laughs> where Patty Lapone plays his aunt, who's Greek, and she does the most cartoonish, um, most like oh uh, man, I want to see it. It's it's you can find it on YouTube. Just uh, look up Patty Lapone on Frasier, and oh. it's from this era where Patty Lapone was literally on every TV show just <laughs> once. She plays a random cameo part in the show Friends in like the first episode of Friends, and Patty Lapone was Friends? just I've everywhere. Seen... I've she's seen... just she's like a museum curator or she's a museum um, a tour guide at Ross's museum, like early, early on. And it's just randomly Patty Lapone. And she says like three lines and you think her character is going to come back, but she never does. And it's just Patty Lapone trying to break into TV, I guess in the nineties. That's amazing. <laughs> that is such a good fact. I live. That's so good. Would you say that um, uh, representation of, of of Greek characters in in mainstream media is is accurate, or is it just um, like when you think of my big fat Greek wedding? I know you haven't seen this Patty Lapone performance, but after you see it, I'll I'll, I'll want to know. Like, do you think it's accurate? Do you think it's um, do you think it's stereotyping the Greek people? Um, oh. What are your feelings on Greek representation? You want to think... see it first? I've got it right here. Oh, <laughs> oh he's got oh, it. Oh, 
on, go on, go on. <laughs> oh my god. That's all right. I realize I'm not the most welcome person here, but. <laughs> Very accurate. It is not fair to take my mistake out on your husband or my father. They didn't do anything. Not Pepper. You have a wedding coming up. You should be joyous. Sponge up this Nikos tells me his fiance is a lovely young woman from a wealthy family that you like her very much. Not but this love. So your heart should be brimming with motherly emotions. When I find out who bent this skewer, I'm ramming it right in his eyes. You know, I've always wanted to do this. Make a trip around the Greek islands. <laughs> I know you barely heard her say anything, but... Um, no, no, I heard just... it. I heard it. I heard it. I loved it. No, um, I think, yeah, I mean, but my big fat Greek wedding was like life changing for me and my <laughs> yeah. brother. And, and yeah. all, like all my Greek family in the UK, they, I loved it. It was so funny to me because every little thing that I'd ever, you know, like the dad in my big fat Greek wedding is like, put some Windex on it, you know, whatever it is whatever it is you know you've got you've, your foot's fallen off or you know you've got a spot <laughs> no, put some in it put some windex on it and my dad's thing is put some savlon on it and savlon is an antiseptic cream in the uk like polysporin or something mm -hmm. or neosporin whatever and um and so my dad you know like he 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 burnt his whole arm don't ask me how he doesn't know he came back when he owned it like he owned a greasy spoon cafe which was his last mm -hmm. business which is kind of like an american diner like a sort of yeah. greasy fry up type place <laughs> and um he came back and went i bloody burned my arm and his whole arm was like in welts and i went oh my how did you do that and he went i don't bloody know don't ask me and uh <laughs> And he was like, it's okay, put some Savlon on it. And it was like, no, no, you can't just put some Savlon on it. And just like taking the tiniest bit of Savlon on his finger and sort of just doing that on his whole forearm. Um, so, and then and then the phrases, they, there were so many lines that they had that were literally out of my, my, my Thea Safula, my dad's sister and my dad. Um, like, eat, eat, you must eat. Because when I was younger, I had nothing. And like... <laughs> You don't know, like, thing, you know, just things like, I'm, you know, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. And the spitting <laughs> and the, last night, my toe was as big as my face. Like, that sort of stuff is literally stuff my dad, like, verbatim from my dad's mouth. So I loved it. And I think, I kind of feel like, I do kind of feel like when things are done with love and when things are done, you know, like... um it's like so amazing to be able to laugh at that. Obviously, it's slightly stereotypical to have a woman being yeah, up me, yeah, but yeah. it comes <laughs> from truth. Like that is true. My Greek women in my family are just all they are doing 24 seven is peeling potatoes, shouting at their husbands and like <laughs> smashing me. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. It's amazing. It's yeah. like it's 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 how, you know, like I love it. And I, I think that. I do. I, I. I think it's like I don't want to. I. I worry that we would. We might lose the being able to sort of lovingly, if it's coming from the right place and the context is right. Mm -hmm. There's nothing better than seeing a really life-size caricature of what you've grown up knowing shown yeah. back to you because you're like me, my dad. My, you know, <laughs> ah, that's so funny. Which so Did yeah, for me, it's great. I love it. Keep keep doing your Greek accents. Keep make keep <laughs> smashing me. Paddy the phone, <laughs> if you're looking for work. 
<laughs> um, did you uh, did you help shape the character of Nadia? Um, was she written as she is on the show um, before you came into the role, or did they start to kind of shape the character? Because I feel like you bring. You know, um, you do a impeccable dialect for Nadia, and 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 we learn um, about her her gypsy background throughout the show. Um, did you bring your own like family influences into the character of Nadia? Did they start writing that around, or did you get cast because of your similarities to the character? So the character was definitely written. Like I auditioned for a character that existed called Nadia, mm-hmm. and it was the scene from series series one where I meet my like ex-boyfriend Gregor Jeff (laughs) and that was the audition so it was very much written and it was written Jermaine wrote that character um I think because his wife is Miranda who is also a big drag queen fan shout out to Miranda love her (laughs) so Jermaine wrote the character of Nadja I think very much because his wife Miranda is um Greek and so, and they were very, and she speaks Greek and um, she's very Greek. She's very like, oh, I love you. And like very, very, <laughs> very like a Greek woman. She's got, she's like beautiful red hair, but she's Greek, which I find hilarious. But anyway, mm-hmm. so she, her her mother, I think, and you know, who's very, very, was a very, very Greek, very Greek dramatic woman, um, <laughs> expressive woman. So yeah, so they, I think he based, Nadja very much on like that and his experience of going to Greece and spending a lot of time in Greece because of his wife um and then yeah we are like they are so we're so lucky like they really do let us collaborate the writers you know like we get to improvise I get to they sometimes I improvise stuff they'll just like ask me what you know how where where did you come from and like I just get to like improvise and then but again, like they very much have her voice in their heads and are able, like luckily able to write amazing things that she says. So it's, yeah, it's really, it's it's definitely, I definitely think they've given us the space to be like, this is what I don't think she would say this. Or like the things that I wouldn't think she'd say, like often they use Americanisms like yell or garbage yeah. or stuff. And I'm like, no yeah. one in Europe says that. <laughs> um, but but no, on the whole, they're they're they've been amazing over the past few seasons at just sort of capturing it and and then yeah, and then like allowing me in the moment in the scene on the, when we're filming to like improvise a bit or yeah. It's a collaboration, it's a beautiful collaboration. It definitely shows, and I think that's what's great about, you know. Um, you have your background in comedy. This wasn't your introduction to um, playing a comedic character. So I, I feel like your skill as a comedian shows, even if, if you know, the part is written, you know, by someone else, it feels authentic to you. And that's what, for me, is the most exciting part of the performance. And then also just like constantly quoting you, Gregor, come to me, Gregor. Her little haunting song, her little haunting siren song plays in my mind all the time. Um, 
So you also, as we mentioned before, you also hosted the Netflix show Big Flower Fight, which mm-hmm. I absolutely loved, which Aww. had a very diverse um, cast of competitors. Yes. And from what I've kind of pieced together, even though it's a show about creating big, huge floral sculptures, um, very few of the people competing had a background in <laughs> in flowers or anything. Um, no. They have a it's a rich tapestry of people with different talents. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And you are just really, I mean, you're fantastic as a host as well. And I could tell before we started talking that you were a drag fan because your fashion throughout the show just gets bigger and grander. (laughs) And then the finale, everyone's dressed nice, but I feel like, I have this vivid image of you walking across like a field in a giant ball game. (laughs) It was so stupid. It got so out of hand. It got so out of hand, those dresses. It's, yeah, it was very much that. I mean, and that was, like, I started watching Drag Race, um, I, like, quite a few years ago and then it went on Netflix and so I like started watching it again because it was just like easy access and I literally I cannot tell you this is not a lie every time I've come to Canada the only thing I watch I start off and I'm like (laughs) I'm gonna watch um I'm gonna watch some dramas I've got you know there's some really beautiful dramas that I missed and like Mm -hmm. oh that show that everyone talked about I need to watch that and honestly within like 20 minutes my finger has slipped and it's like Back to season one. <laughs> Let's go. What was I watching the other day? Work the World, the documentary. Like, oh, I've yeah, seen yeah. it all. Like, I, it's so, it's also like, it's so mad how in my trailer, for instance, you know, that I have like a little TV and I just have it on the whole time. And yeah. it's so weird as I used to have it on and people that, you know, people would come into my trailer and be like, oh, what's that? And I'd be like, RuPaul's Drag Race. I'd be like, oh, I've heard of that. And then now literally people come in and they're just like, oh my God, this lip sync. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really think, <laughs> I really think they stole it. Oh, you know, I really that. think it was uh, Bob the Drag Queen. You shouldn't, you know, whatever. And you're just like, <laughs> yeah. it's crazy. The phenomenon, phenomenon of it that has happened. It's, it's so, oh, I love, I love it's it. amazing. It's amazing. But, you know, like when I told everyone on set that I was talking to you, they were like, shut up. <laughs> Well, I hope you'll tell them all I say hello and I'm a I, of huge course fan of I the will. Show. Of course I will. I mean, I want to know, like, do you, because you are such an incredible, I'm turning it around. This is called, <laughs> this is called Nice to Dimitri You. Natasha Dimitri You. And I want to know, like, do you, because you're such an incredible actor, like, do you, do you diversify or are you more... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I um, I try, I go for plenty of things, and um, what it is is that I am very happy creating my own work, and I have so much fun creating my own work, and I feel like oftentimes the characters I get called in to audition for are kind of one note. You know, it's like, it's the drag queen. So we're going to have a drag queen enter the scene, say something a drag queen would say, and then fade into the background, you know? So when I see parts like that, whether I go for them or whether I don't end up getting them or, or I turn them down, you know, it's kind of like, I'll go for anything that seems interesting to me, but because I have so much fun and have such a good time creating my own work, I don't get too butthurt if, if something doesn't happen for me, you know, yeah. I'm able to let go of things because ultimately, you know, like we're starting to see way more 
um, a, a diverse representation of different people from the LGBTQ plus community, you know, different types of drag queens, drag queens who aren't just one line caricatures, um, you know, different forms of gender representation in media and stuff. And that said, a lot of it is kind of hokey. A lot of it is one note. A lot of it yeah, is kind of imagine. flat or one dimensional. So if I'm not in love with a part, I'm. it's really easy for me to say, I'm, I'm just not going to mess with this one. I'm going to yeah. just keep making my own work. And then if if something comes along that really resonates with me, I'll I'll give it my all to go for it. But I don't get I, I don't waste time being upset if I don't get the role because I'm just going to go back to writing my own stuff. Well, I think and, that's the key. I, I yeah. like for me as well. Like I do think that going up for parts, no matter whether you're a drag queen or you know whatever you are, like a, a walking piece of shit like me. <laughs> I think that you. I think that it's like yeah, making your own stuff because you know your best strengths and it's like write yourself the best parts like it's so you know it's like there there aren't if I truly was to look at the tv on now there's like a bunch of shows that I'm like oh please let me be a dead body in that you know I will be I will be (laughs) let me be a psychopath in that show you you know like there's like a few things but ultimately it's not like you, there's like, I, I don't look at the world of drama or comedy or whatever and think like, God, they're making such amazing content for, for people who do do the drag or, you know, yeah. for, you know, it is quite often like, as you said, hokey kind of like, oh, yeah. she comes, a drag well, queen comes in and moon walks out. Yeah, well, we see like because it's such a phenomenon, lots of people want to have a drag queen. Yeah, but they don't have they don't have the experience with the queens to write. I mean, but I have played a handful of roles that I was really happy with. You know, I was in the cop drama Blue Bloods and my character um, helped uh, solve the mystery of who killed Tiffany Lamp. (laughs) And and I've done a lot of voiceover work, which I really love because it doesn't really matter what my gender identity is because it's the vocal performance that we're we're worried about, you know? (laughs) Give me your voice. Your voice. So whenever anyone says why aren't you on more TV or why aren't you on Broadway? I'm always like, it's not like I said, no, you know, we'll just wait for the, the right thing to come along. That said, please tell Jermaine Clement um, that when he's ready to write a gender ambiguous, um, non-binary vampire character into the show, I know Tilda Swinton was already on it, but I'll come. (laughs) I'll come in. I I say it and I'm saying it now. I say it literally every day I'm on set. I'm like, there is no one closer to being a vampire than a drag queen like for god's <laughs> sake like vampires ex- exist amongst us they are drag queens they the, are like the shape-shifting the sleep schedule um <laughs> the 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 sexual promiscuity the leg <laughs> strength the, 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 leg leg strength. Just, the quad uh, strength that it takes to do bangs. all that like voguing <laughs> no um, i just think yeah, I drop your and I dro- I actually we did a scene the other night and I can't say it because I'm not allowed. But basically, I got your name to be said. And also my one of the other ca- uh, cast members in the show, Harvey, he just done Trixie <laughs> Mattel's podcast. So he he had the line. So I was like, say Jinx Monsoon. And he was like, he was like, I say, I'll say Jinx Monsoon and I'll say I'll Trixie Mattel. And I was like, if you don't say I'll kill you because I was like, <laughs> I love Jinx. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, I'll stop well, fangirling. No, no, I um, I love that. I, I, I feel like I'm constantly, um, 
I, I'm pretty shameless when I tell people, you know, like, hey, you're on a show I like. <laughs> you should tell people. But why not? I should guest star. Yeah. I mean, you know, what am I going to lose? You know? Nothing. <laughs> it's you'll not lose like I'm going to get less work. <laughs> you'll lose nothing. And you'll lose. I'm literally going to send an email to the. I mean, not that I have any power. <laughs> but I uh, yes I do I do believe I do believe there is a world where I mean you know they have to the, the, the issue at the moment with making tv is you can have all the great ideas in the world but then covid mm-hmm. comes in and yeah shit's all over it so like yeah. this season there's been a lot of they've done amazingly to, to make sure that covid isn't a thing in it which I think is really good because you don't want to yeah, go back it timeless and go, you know yeah, yeah oh look that was the year where there was covid like so and um, I do think we're getting to the point where audiences are like okay I've seen a lot of stuff incorporating covid dealing with the covid of it all and now I'm ready to like I don't want to be reminded of it constantly yes, you know it's like yeah. now that Trump is no longer in office we don't ever have to say his name and that's the yeah. way it should be <laughs> yeah exactly totally like let's move on because what's the point otherwise mm-hmm. like yeah like we the change has come the vaccine is here <laughs> although I heard a fact the other day about the vaccines in America that blew my mind is it true that in America when you get a vaccine you get a free Krispy Kreme donut that might be a regional thing. Oh, in Georgia. Dipper says in Georgia. In Georgia, in Georgia. you're getting Krispy Kremes. Um, it's and their I consolation thought... for taking away so many voter rights. They're like, <laughs> let's just placate them by giving them donuts, which is and the I... American MO, you know, steal that rights, give donuts. <laughs> I couldn't get over how American that was. I was like, why? I was like, why is Pfizer, whoever, doing a deal with Krispy Kremes? Like, why are they like, I'll, you know, you, I, you, you shake my That's hand. The only way to get some people to take it, you know, get the vaccine, get a donut. Well, well that's I what wasn't... someone said. Someone <laughs> said that they were like to try and encourage people to do it. They were just like, you know, you get a free Krispy Kreme, and, they were <laughs> yeah, like... gonna... and it's Krispy Kreme. I'm there. We've talked at length about your magnificent body of work. And um, now I'd like to just ask some things. Talk about my body. Kind of off the wall. Um, do you consider yourself spiritual? Were you raised religious? Do you have a relationship to spirituality or religion these days? Does it affect you in your day-to-day life in any way? My mum's very, very religious, but her religion no one's heard of, and it's very weird, but it's very... <laughs> it's of course of course it sounds like I'm just like making up but no it's like a religion that no one's really heard of and it's very it's kind of like Buddhism like a sort of nice religion like a soft one just like (laughs) nature and nice things and so I rejected spirituality a lot purely because it was something my mum liked so classic daughter was just like yeah "Eh, yuck (laughs) um so but weirdly literally this like past few years I think I just think that as you get older and life gets you down and people get (laughs) ill and you lose people and shit happens you and like my dad having Alzheimer's and stuff I really feel like something inside me has like been like you know what even if it's not true like I don't I think I'm too much of a too cynical too much of a dry dry witted comedian to really (laughs) buy into like you know like uh, you know magical beings uh, around us yeah. but I believe there is like I believe that there is a universal truth in that 
there is something in all of us that connects us or something. I don't know what it is. I'll get back to you when I found it out. But it's something <laughs> where I'm like, there is a higher reason for all. I feel like you can, there is like, there is like spirituality and truth and magic in like love and compassion and the truth and yeah. tolerance. I don't know. I can't put it into words, but it's definitely something I felt more the past few years where I'm like, I think... I think you should look into modern day witchcraft and not oh, witchcraft really? as it's depicted on television shows where it's Dungeons and Dragons and drinking goat's blood and stuff. But witchcraft at its basest form and what it truly is for for me as a practicing witch and all the witches I know is oh, it's really just a connection witch. to your surrounding. And it's inherently feminist. Um and it has been demonized. The idea of being a witch and the idea of practicing witchcraft has been demonized for years as a way to oppress women, mm -hmm. as a way to disenfranchise women. Um, because early forms of witchcraft were really just, you know, being a midwife, being a beer brewer, mm -hmm. um, things that were originally female jobs. And then when men decided they wanted those jobs, they found a way to take all the power away from the women doing those jobs. Mm. But at its basis form, it's just looking at the way you interact with your environment and how to make sure that the impact you're having on your environment is positive so that the impact your environment has on you is also positive. Yeah. And it's really just about being in the here and now and thinking about how you can be putting out positive energy into the world so that yeah. you receive positive energy back. Yeah, so. I, I, that, it's like cause and effects. And I just, I can't put it into words, but I just like felt this thing in me where I kind of lost all that like, ugh, religion, yuck, it's terrible, it's terrible. Because <laughs> I do think religion belief systems in the hands of men and women, you know, humans, yeah. humanity, like anything that that gate that has power linked to it gets corrupted. Yeah, like that's absolutely. that's the history of humans. Like you get power and then you go crazy. So, <laughs> so I think that, but I think that there is there there is something that, like you said, something about uh, uh, there is um there is weight and goodness and and there is a I can't even think of the word, but there is like a point. To, to to having some sort of spirituality and faith and why for thousands and thousands and millions of years there has been faith because it yeah and if transcends... a connection to a ritual has yeah. very positive effects in our life like even if all you do is light incense every day and when you take that moment to light incense every day it's your moment of like checking in with yourself and yeah. checking in with like totally. and just the smell of the incense like creates a mindset that like sets you on your way for the next couple of hours or something. Those little tiny rituals we do have, I think, you know, lasting positive effects on us. And I think we've lost touch. To I, I worry that, I worry that, you know, we do live in very secular, a very secular world now, which is like mm -hmm. in many ways, a very positive thing. But I mm -hmm. think it's, I worry sometimes that we've lost touch with, as you said, with those like little rituals, those little things to remind ourselves to be, to live the values and the, the, yeah. The, the 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 compassion and the tolerance and the that we want that we like yeah. you know we know deep down if someone tapped you on the shoulder what do you like are you into these things you'd be like yeah of course but yeah. we've lost that <laughs> sort of like thing but also I've also forgot to say um if I did have to have religion it would be the religion of coffee because I can't yeah. get out of bed without a cup of java 
I um this was my this was my COVID project. Um I got myself off Red Bull <laughs> and on to black coffee because I um Welcome. I was someone who started every day with a Red Bull and <gasps> and it terrified my friends and they finally I finally was like um you know co- uh, quarantine's a perfect time to reexamine some some habits that might be um holding me back. <laughs> Welcome to the world of Java. Keep calm and drink coffee, boys. <laughs> I love it. I, um, you know, I fill up a mason jar with ice cubes and pour my black coffee over and I'm set for the next hour. Um, what is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, this is a really good one. Um, well, <laughs> I really, <laughs> I don't think this will translate. I need to think of an American one because there's a really, really stupid song called um, It's Coming Home, which was like as a football song. That was all like the football people sang in the UK during the Euro World Euro Championships. For my American listeners, that's soccer. Soccer. (laughs) And I just think it's so funny to be like Can you I I didn't mean to interrupt, but can you continue singing it for us? It's coming home. It's coming. Football's coming. (laughs) Three lines on a shirt. It's coming. Jules Remay still clean. And it was just this song that was released when we thought we were going to win the Euro World Cups and we didn't. <laughs> and it was, and like, It's Coming Home was like, you know, we're going to bring the world, we're going to bring the Euro, the, the cup back. And um, and it didn't happen. So I find, I just, classic, classic prankster, classic jokester, love. But then another one, my friend, Claudia O'Doherty, who's a comedian, she always said her favorite, which I always think I wanted, I wanted to steal it off her, is her favorite song was, at last by Etta James because it has that really long bit at the beginning where you can yeah. just stand with your back to the audience or actually <laughs> finally my final answer is Think Twice by Celine Dion I absolutely <laughs> love that song thank you for taking us on a musical journey just now <laughs> my <laughs> final question for you and I ask everyone this is who is your celebrity crush and it's and it's okay if you have multiple celebrity crushes and and when I say celebrity crush I think some people think like oh who's an artist I respect but what I'm talking about is who would you if they showed up now you would just immediately undress for them and be ready to receive them (laughs) okay so my first thought is always John Early even though he is not interested in women because <laughs> and he's like I'm I would like to say think of him as a friend but I find his talent and his his, his sense of humor so funny that I and like him as Nomi he made like a little video <laughs> on yeah. YouTube of, of, of to advertise his his live show and he does he him and Kate Ballant and Cola Scola recreated the bit a bit of the strip. The, yeah, shut up, Tash. Anyway, no. him as that. <laughs> Don't shut up. I'm just thinking. All my my brain is thinking. Uh, uh, I had Kate Berland as a guest, and um, we talked a lot about John Early. And I told her the story of how I asked him on a date through Instagram, and he very politely said he <laughs> is just interested in being friends. But I I was in this mindset where I. I convinced myself I needed to be part of a celebrity power couple. This is like years ago, way before I met my husband. But um, I convinced myself I needed to be in a celebrity power couple. So I basically, any queer, um, any queer performer that I really, really loved, I just like started it out by saying, would you like to go on a date? Because I was trying to plant that seed right away. (laughs) 
Well, yeah, I, this is me planting the seed. John, if you would know, I just find him so attractive. As that video of him dressed as Nomi is like, I don't know so, what to. It does things to me that I didn't. You you'd know. probably need him to be dressed as Nomi for maybe. For yeah, coyness. that would be that would be the dream. John as Nomi, I would. I would take my clothes off and dance with fire for him, but we wouldn't have sex. I would just dance with fire. <laughs> my celebrity crush that I'm going to say today um, is Hugh Skinner, um, who you have <gasps> one degree. Oh my gosh, zero degrees of separation. I was going to say because he plays Prince William on the show The Windsors, which, which Ellie is, is in. <laughs> which Ellie White is in, who you have collaborated with. And right before this interview, I watched um, you two doing Mum's the Word on YouTube, which was hilarious. And um, Big Dipper watched it as part of his um, research on you. So um, I I really love Hugh Skinner. And I've seen pretty much everything he's in just because about 50% of things he's in, he eventually shows his butt. And um, I'm all, I'm always excited when male actors show their butt on television. And, yeah, um, that's one of the best things about UK um, entertainment is y'all are are not afraid to show butts uh, on. Oh public no, television. no, no! We love we love we love a bum joke. We had to do we had to do weirdly we had to do a um like a sort of you know like a work sensitivity workplace training thing. Mm-hmm because of like it's Disney and we've got to make sure no one's like watching porn on set or whatever. And one of the things they said to us was now we need this to be very, very clear. It is not, people can get very upset and offended if you show your bum in the workplace. And I was just like, (laughs) how many cases have we got in the workplace of people just getting their ass out? I mean, I don't, what world is this that people, they were like, we've had many cases of this. So please keep your, you may think it's nice for people to see your bum, but no one wants to see it. (laughs) Keep your butt in your pants. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. I will find a way to let John Early know how attracted you are um, to him. Oh, I mean, I've told him. Hugh Skinner know. (laughs) I will, I will. Hugh Skinner is the sweet, I have to say, like, genuinely the sweetest, loveliest, and you know how, like, bumbly he is in his, (laughs) obviously he's a chameleon and he's not always bumbly, but, you know, that, he is like the true sort of British, like, oh, so lovely to see you. Oh, good. You know, like, oh, so fantastic. <laughs> like he is a, just a, a dream, a dream boy. When you come to London, we'll have, we'll definitely, definitely stand and um, f- pretend to smoke cigarettes together like French and Saunders do. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe we'll all meet up in the Groucho sometime. Oh, um, and if you, is ever if you looking... can get me in, I'd love that. I don't have any membership. <laughs> I'll call up, uh, I'll call some people and yeah. through one person or another. Um, but yes, please let Hugh Skinner know if he ever wants to experiment with a MILF, um, a MILF looking drag, a MILF presenting drag queen, um, that I'm ready to receive him. And, um, I'm sure my, my husband will be in full support. <laughs> He already knows fully about my Hugh Skinner crush. Um, I just want to thank you. (laughs) Milk presenting. If you're milk presenting, I'm poo presenting. That was actually my Craigslist ad a long, long time ago. MILF presenting drag queen seeking skater boys for bubble baths. Um, I got at least 80 hits a day. It was a hit. Um, I'm not surprised. I want to thank you so much, Natasha Dimitrio, because this is... um, 
We started chatting about a year ago, way before I ever knew I'd have an interview podcast and this opportunity to, to FaceTime with you <laughs> for the purpose of talking about art and comedy and, and the artistic process. So thank you so much for donating your time um, amidst your busy filming schedule as you bounce from gig to gig. Um, ah! <laughs> listeners can see you in... Um, the FX comedy, What We Do in Shadows. Also the Netflix movie, Eurovision, um, which you have an outstanding cameo in. Um, the 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 sketch TV show I brought up earlier, Slath Let's Flats on Channel. Staff. It's such a battle for Americans. <laughs> Sorry, Do you know that the American translation of it is, is, is Greek boy rents apartments. <laughs> That's the that's the like translation. It's staff. It's so dumb. Staff it's so dumb. Let's flats. Yes, because HBO we don't Max. we don't say almost any of those words. We don't say let. No, you don't, don't say, say those words. And we don't say no. flats. No. <laughs> no. Um, are there any other are any other places you'd like audiences to find you? Anything you want to plug right now? www.youporn.com. <laughs> that's where you find my best work. Toenail, <laughs> to- toenail hand job. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> thank you so much, Natasha, for being a My guest pleasure. on Hijinx. And thanks so much to everyone out there listening to Hijinx here on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon, and we have new episodes every Wednesday, so make sure to search for Hi Jinx on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me on The Jinx on Instagram or at Jinx Monsoon everywhere else. And I'll see you next Wednesday for some more Hi Jinx. Forever. To listen to Hi Jinx ad free and one day early, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. Make sure to follow at Forever Dog Team and at Mom Podcasts on social and rate and review Hi Jinx five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi Jinx is produced by Forever Dog and Moguls of Media, aka Mom, hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon, produced by Big Dipper, editing and sound design by Will Pitts, executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey.